This morning, in our all-in service, then, we are going to be looking uh, in the book of Acts. Uh, But before we come to that, I don't know how you feel this morning. Maybe you've come here this morning. You're feeling already refreshed. You're feeling ready to be part of church together. Maybe you're coming here this morning and you're feeling a bit down and tired. But you know, however we are coming, if we come in Christ, then this morning you are blessed. Whether you feel that or not, the reality is you are blessed. Ephesians 1 verse 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. In Christ, we are blessed. Uh, And we are going to remind ourselves of that truth. We are going to live in the light of that this morning. We come as we are, uh, but we come with a recognition of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. Let's stand together as we sing and praise and glorify. So Lord, we thank you that you indeed are the God who saves. Uh, We pray that this morning, Lord, that all that we do, all that we we say uh, would be to the praise of your glory, ancient to Jesus, to look at Jesus. And when we look at Jesus, as we read through this passage in Acts 3, and we're looking at Jesus, actually what happens isn't surprising at all. It's wonderfully awesome, but it shouldn't be surprising. And it shouldn't be surprising because Jesus always acts in accordance with who he is. And the Son of God, the incarnate Son, perfectly reflects the Father. Now the crowd are surprised by what's happening because they've, they've missed this. They're looking in the wrong place. And Peter has explained like, what has just happened here, really, it's not surprising. It makes perfect sense when you consider who God is and when you consider his promises, his plans, and his purpose. And Peter is speaking to this crowd that, that don't understand. They've missed who God is because they've missed who Jesus is. They're looking in the wrong place. They're looking at the wrong person. So a question for us this morning is, where are we looking? Where are we looking this morning? And as we seek to understand what God is like, where do we look? Are we looking in the right place or are we looking in the wrong place? Are we looking at Jesus? Is our gaze set and focused on Jesus? And that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to go through this passage. We're going to consider uh, who God is as we look at Jesus. And as we look at Jesus, we see that God is mighty and that God is merciful. So in a moment, we're going to go through the passage uh, looking uh, at those things, that God is mighty and God is merciful. Before we do that, we're going to sing again. It's in the name of Jesus. And when he's talking about Jesus' name, it's not something that's separate from the person of Jesus. The name points to the person. So Peter's saying, why are you looking at us as if it's our power? Our godliness, our might that has made this man well. This is the work of Jesus. This is what Jesus has done. And in our evening services, we've been going through Acts. We've been following this theme. One of the themes that we see in the book of Acts is Acts is the ongoing work of Jesus through his church by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus is still at work. And in this healing here of the lame man, we see something of God's might. 
In verse 2, we read, A man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. So this is a man who was lame from birth. He had never walked in his entire life. Now, that is true, has been true for all of us uh, at some point, regardless of our ability now. There was some point where we had never walked. Babies aren't born walking. That would be a weird thing to see, wouldn't it? Pop out and start walking. Babies aren't born walking. Probably around 8 to 18 months, they start to take their few steps. Uh, And if you've ever seen them take those first few steps, you see them sort of toddle and wobble. That's why we call them toddlers. And then plonk down. I have to do it again and again and again. It doesn't come instantly. The legs, the muscles, they need to build up strength. They need to build up the coordination. Even a, a kind of a fresh baby with all the potential that's there, it takes time to learn how to walk. This man had never walked. And we're told in chapter 4, verse 22, he was over 40 years old. That's 40 years of muscle wastage. 40 years of never walking. But in verse 6, Peter says to this man, I don't have silver and gold, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Then we read, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. And never mind walking. And he starts leaping, he's jumping around. Who's praising God. In that moment, in that instant, you wouldn't expect that of a baby, let alone a man who has not walked for 40 years. And the present obstacle that was based on past experiences, that was based on past history, it didn't limit God. It didn't hinder the power of Jesus because God's hands are never tied. God is mighty in power. And God's power towards you, it is not limited by your current situation. It is not limited by your past history. Now we may ask, is God still mightily working today? Yes. That's one of the themes we see in the book of Acts. The ongoing work of Jesus. Jesus continues to work and he works through his church by the power of the Holy Spirit. Is everyone healed in the same way that this lame man was? Well, our experience will tell us, no, that's not the case. Maybe even our own lives, we've experienced things that seem to be an ongoing uh, illness or suffering. And people come up with various different reasons and explanations for that. Some are better than others. Some are more based on the Bible than others. But at the end of the day, there's much that we don't know. And I think it is better that we are just honest and we say, I don't know. It's good to search for answers. It's good to to search the scriptures. But there comes a limit to our understanding because we are not God. And unless God has specifically revealed something to us, then we really need to say in certain situations, I don't know. And yet there is something that God has revealed to us and made clear. And we see it in verse 21. Heaven must receive him Until the time comes for God to restore everything just as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. And if you are in Christ, one day, one day if you are in Christ, you will be completely 
I'm perfectly whole and healthy forever. God has revealed that. God has made that clear. There is a day of restoration, and it's not just a day of restoration for these mortal and these frail bodies, but as we read it in verse 21, a day when God restores everything. And maybe that seems a bit difficult to believe at times as we look out at the world and we see the world that is broken, as we look at our own lives and we see our own lives that are broken. But none of this is an obstacle to God. God's hands are not tied. He is mighty in power. See, God is the one who creates, and he creates leaping out of lameness. He brings beauty out of ashes. He causes light to shine in the darkness, and he gives life to the dead. And so even now in Christ, we read verse 19, there are times of refreshment. And one day, there will be that day where he restores everything. God's hands are not tied He is mighty in power. And so this morning, or maybe this week or later this month or this year, if you find yourself thinking, my situation is hopeless. I am hopeless. Nothing is going to change. In those moments, ask yourself, well, at this point, where am I looking? What am I looking at? And then we need to look at Jesus. Look at the one who perfectly displays who God is. Look at Jesus. And we see that our present circumstances, our past history, they don't hinder the work of God. As we look at Jesus and we see that God is mighty in power. And he is powerful to save. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your great power, a power that is beyond our comprehension. Lord, that one day there will be the restoration of all things. And we confess often as we look at life, as we look even at our own lives, uh, we struggle to see how that could be the case. And yet we thank you, Lord, that as as we look at Jesus, as you call us to look at him, Lord, we see your power on display. Lord, please turn our eyes, fix our eyes on Christ. Father, I pray for us uh, and for any here who particularly this day uh, feel like they are hopeless and that they are stuck, that you would give them such a clear vision of Christ and your mighty power, Lord, that is revealed in him. Amen. Uh, We're going to sing again. Uh, This is a song from Awesome Cutlery, and it's called Hero. Um, Lizzie is going to magically appear from behind the piano on the screen. Uh, If you like... Okay. I do have your Bibles open again to Acts chapter 3. So we've considered how God is mighty... We're also going to consider how God is merciful. So the book of Acts, it recounts the continued work of Jesus working through his church by the power of the Spirit. Jesus is still working. 
Jesus is still reaching out. And that may come as something of a surprise when we consider the people that Peter is talking to. Uh, Have a look down at verse 14. You disown the holy and righteous one and ask that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. So he's speaking to this crowd that chose a murderer instead of Jesus. They chose someone who was a taker, a robber, a stealer of life over the giver of life. This is a people who love darkness rather than light, who love death rather than life. This is like siding with Sauron or with Thanos or with a white witch or with Voldemort. And you know how it goes down in those films. It doesn't go down well eventually with those people who side with that group. And in many ways you would expect this reading, if it was following the lines of, of Hollywood blockbusters, it would go, the message is, you killed him, God raised him, and now you are going to pay. And the surprising thing is actually the message that is delivered is you killed him, God raised him, and Christ has paid for you. Verse 17, now fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he'd foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Now, I'm, I'm going to need um, someone again, maybe an adult this time, um, Someone who, have a think now, is there a particular Bible verse, Bible promise that you think is good for us to remember that stands out um, rather than me putting you on the spot? Has anyone got one that comes to mind? I'm going to pick on someone. I'm going to pick on Yvonne. Come here, Yvonne. I'll find one for you. Can you just find it for me? I really need someone to hold stuff. Yeah, come on. Yeah, I use my Bible. It's hard, isn't it, when you try and think of one on the spot? If you. I can't remember where that is either. No, no, they can. Problem is, it's in a. Yeah, it is, yeah. Let, let's go for John 3.16. <laughs> Problem is, it's a different Bible to the one I'm used to. I'm used to finding what is on the page. Right. Um, if you stand here, could you... John 3.16. What does John 3.16 say? That's a promising one. If you keep it there. Now, don't do this at home with books. Don't do this at home with books. But in some ways, if you hold it over this, it's like this promise, if we smear a bit of mud over it. Now, this rejection of the author of life, this rejection of God, the rejection of the promises of God, 
It's a bit like this, in which case, like now, I mean, this is despising, if you tilt that up, it's despising God's promises. It's ruined the book. Now, don't, yeah, don't do this at home. Don't do this with your Bible or with your parents' Bible. But God, in his mercy, and what he does, don't do this either, um, is this washing away. Let me just try it. Now, Yvonne, look carefully. Is there any mark, any stain left on that page? No, completely clear. Look at that. Don't do this with books at home, kids. Say that once more. But what, do, what you can do is have this very thing done to your life. Thank you, Yvonne. And that's when it talks about here of uh, sins being wiped out. It's this same imagery of this washing, and this washing that completely washes without leaving a trace. I mean, this page is not ruined at all. Now, you might expect it to be. Just have a little look. Is that fine, isn't it? Absolutely fine. As though nothing had happened to it. And that is the power of Christ. If you want to know how I did that, I'll talk to you later. Um, But yeah, have a look down at verse 19. Your sins may be wiped out. And the word there is that washed away, washed away completely without a trace. And so it was as though nothing ever happened. And that God can wash away all our sin completely. I mean, that speaks of his might. But that God would wash away all of our sin without a trace, that speaks of his mercy. Verse 19, repent then and turn to God that your sins may be wiped out. This call to repent means a turn to God. We are to turn to God because it's not God who needs to do the turning here. It's not that God who needs to repent. A change doesn't need to occur in God. When God shows mercy, he isn't doing something surprising. God is not doing something surprising when he shows mercy. Now, it is wonderfully awesome. It is unfathomably glorious. But it isn't surprising because that's who God is. God is rich in mercy. And if we saw clearly, in all its fullness, if we could clearly see the heart of God, the cross would not come as a surprise. The cross is not an exceptional act on God's behalf. As though at one moment he worked up within himself enough mercy for the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. But the rest of the time, he is resentful. It's not an exceptional act in that sense of it's contrary to who God normally is. Now, as Peter goes on to show in verses 17 and following, the cross, it echoes across the whole of Scripture. It's not an exceptional act on God's behalf. It is the glorious outworking of who he is. God, who is rich in mercy. And yes, God is also just. And we read, don't we, in verse 23, that those who do not listen, those who ultimately reject Christ, 
Now, if you take that siding with evil and with darkness, will ultimately be cut off. But I think it's the mercy of God that we really struggle to believe. That's where we have the problem. And remember, just remember who Peter is speaking to here. Now, this last uh, week, there was a couple that celebrated a uh, record-breaking lottery win. It was 184 million pounds. Now, more money than I think any of us could imagine. Like, what are we going to do with that? If you had that much money, you'd maybe start to give it away. But that, that amount of money is just poverty compared to the, the riches of God. The riches of God's mercy. His mercy and grace that we're told he lavishes upon us. God is one who is rich in mercy. And the crowd that Peter is speaking to here is that crowd that had rejected Jesus, that had chose a murderer over the giver of life. They killed the author of life. And yet this message in Acts, you killed him. God raised him. And Christ has paid for you. Verse 26, when God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. And that's true for all of us. And through our rejection of Christ, God was working our redemption so that we might receive him. And God pours out mercy and grace on our lives in order that we might receive even more grace from the one who gives life. The cross is not a surprising act. It's the overflow of who God is. The cross is what happens when the heart of God meets with sinners. God is rich in mercy. And so verse 19, we're told to repent and to turn to God. The change that needs to occur is in us. It's not a change that needs to occur in God. You do not need to try and convince God to love you. God's trying to convince you. He convinces you through Christ how much he loves you. And so in those times where you think, God must be done with me. I'm done with myself. I wouldn't want anything to do with myself. Why would God want anything to do with me? In those moments when you find yourself thinking that. Now where are you looking? And it is right. We need to look at our own sin. We don't cover it up. We don't pretend that it's not there. We need to confess. But then we need to look to Jesus. We need to look to Jesus. And it's not just a quick glance. But it is a deep and a sustained gaze as we look, as we see who God is, the God who is rich in mercy, as we look fully at the heart of God as revealed in the cross of Christ. Now our sins indeed are many, but no matter how big and how many they are, his mercy is always more. God is rich in mercy. So where are you going to look? You're going to look to Christ. 
You're going to see that and set your gaze and set your focus on him. Well, let's do that now. We're going to pray. Just take a moment to reflect. There was a Scottish preacher, a guy called Robert Murray McShane, and he helpfully summarized it like this. He said, for every look that you take at yourself, take 10 good looks at Christ. And just take a moment as we look at our own lives, take a moment to reflect. And then we're going to pray and we're going to sing. And in doing so, we're going to take deep looks at Christ. Let's just have a moment of reflection. And Lord, we confess that we have not reflected you rightly. We have not loved you as we ought. We have not loved one another. And we have brought harm to others and to ourselves. Lord, even this day, this morning, uh, we have not We have not fully reflected you as we ought. And as we do spend that time, Lord, seeing how good and glorious you are, we see just how far short that we fall. That we need a Savior. Yet we also confess, although we do have a Savior, and we thank you, Lord, that you are the God who is rich in mercy, who is gracious, Lord, who is compassionate. Lord, and help us to see, help us to fix our gaze on Christ. And in so doing, not, not covering over the sin in our life, uh, but, but coming before you, Lord, seeking the forgiveness and the cleansing and the new life Lord, that comes from you. Lord, we thank you for that promise that as we turn to you, Lord, that you will not turn us away. Lord, may we see just how how rich in mercy, Lord, you are. Lord, that we may know and see more of your heart as we look at the cross of Christ. And yes, as we recognize the price that was paid for our sin. But may we not miss, Lord, the immense Love that you have shown towards us. Lord, us who had rejected you, who have sided with darkness instead of light and have sided with powers of death instead of life. Lord, may we see, may we know. Lord, you're great and you're deep. Lord, in your abounding mercy that you have lavishly poured upon us in Christ. Amen. Let's continue to set our gaze and to set our focus on God's mercy uh, as we sing together. His mercy is more.
how we need you. And yet we thank you that you are not a God uh, who is distant, who is far from us. God, as we bring before you our needs, our, our personal needs, Lord, our needs in the church and our community around us, Lord, needs uh, in this world. One day, I think about uh, the, the church and praying for the work that's there. Lord, we pray that you would strengthen them. Lord, that they would know more deeply of, of your might and your mercy. Lord, we thank you for the work that they have been doing in helping and supporting uh, those fleeing from the Ukraine. Lord, and with that threat that people in Moldova can, can very really feel that they might be next. Lord, we pray that you would strengthen your church. Lord, in accordance with your great might and that they may continue, Lord, to show your mercy as they have been to others. Lord, and we pray for the work of the gospel to spread uh, in that part of the world. Lord, that indeed people will turn their eyes and they will fix their eyes and their gaze on Jesus and they would see you for who you are. Or to be freed from this lie, the lie of the enemy, that you are the God who is oppressive, you are the God who is distant. And that you would see, they would see you as as the God who, who so loved the world that you gave your only son. That we might be brought near. Or that we might know you. Lord, and we pray that uh, for the communities around us too. Sometimes, Father, it feels like it's just a difficult slog being a, a Christian in, in taking that stand for Christ. Oh, if we look at our own life or, or even the life of, of the church and things that have been done in the name of Christ uh, in the past, in the past history of the church, that have caused people to, to raise questions, to despise this message of the gospel. Father, we pray for your forgiveness uh, on behalf of, of your church, recognizing we are part of, of that church. Uh, and we pray Lord, for the might of your power to be working, the working in and through us, that Christ will continue that work, Lord, just as your purpose, as we see in Acts. And that our present obstacles, even our past history, we thank you that that is not a hindrance to the work of the gospel. And so we pray for the work of the gospel to be furthered, Lord, in this place, that blind eyes would be opened and that people would come to know the joy of forgiveness and new life that is in Christ. Father, we pray that for our own lives too. That we would have that gaze that is set on, on Christ Jesus. In the challenges uh, that we face uh, day by day. Lord, that we would know and that we would hold on to, Lord, your promise. Knowing that you are the God who is faithful. Or the God who is merciful. The God who is mighty in power. That we would bring all things to you. Our needs and our concerns and our fears. Lord, um, our lives would just be transformed as together uh, we look and we set our gaze on Christ. Amen.
I'm going to get you to stand again in a second to sing our final song. But our God is mighty in power. He is merciful beyond what we can comprehend. Now, do we believe that? Do we see that this morning? No, we struggle. There are those here this morning now who struggle to see that, who struggle to, to fully believe that. You, know, you believe it, but you don't quite see it in all its fullness. And I know that because I'm one of them. We need that reminder. We need to encourage one another to keep fixing our eyes and fixing our gaze on Christ. It's not something that we do once. Something that we need to continually do to set our gaze, that deep gaze on Christ. So in our final song, as we sing this, we sing it to our own hearts, but let's sing it to one another. Let's sing it loud. Let's sing it to encourage each other. That today and always, let's fix our gaze on Christ and just be awed in the wonder of who he is and what he has done for us. Let's stand together.